Welcome to the Effective Data Scientist Podcast. The podcast is designed to help you improve your skills, stay focused, manage successful projects, and have fun at work. Be an effective data scientist now. Welcome to a new episode. Uh, today I'm talking with Hannah. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Very, very good. I'm really excited. I'm, as we talk about one of the topics that I'm also very passionate about, data visualization, it is, you know, it's not something that, you know, people from my background, you know, mathematical, statistical background mm. are generally trained in. It's kind of more the thing we you know, you learn as you go, um, and only after yeah years and years in my in my career, I stepped over data visualization principles and uh, and these kind of things, which I didn't even know before exist. And so, <laughs> uh, then this whole new world of data visualization as a science opened for me, and uh, yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I have to agree. And I, I've had this, I've had a similar experience where I am a self-taught data practitioner and I didn't stumble upon data visualizations until later in my career. So I, I think that's true for many other data practitioners as well. So I'm sure we're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You kind of know, okay, the bar charts, scatter plots and these kind of things. And you don't really know where, you know, what makes them look good and what mm -hmm. makes them look ugly you just see that well this looks pretty posh yeah and this <laughs> looks pretty kind of excel also excel has improved really but um what what brought you into this data visualization space how, how did you kind of get to it yeah, so generally I've been working in the data field for over eight years now, and I started actually first in academia as a geographer, so that's my educational background. And you could say that my first data visualization was actually a map. And then I shifted to work for a Fortune 5 company as a data analyst. So it was as an entry-level data analyst, I wasn't really focused on data visualization. I was more attracted to programming and just general data analysis and um, I didn't stumble upon the world of data visualization seriously until a few years later. Mm -hmm. And it, it was kind of like a light bulb moment for me when I realized the value data visualizations can have in helping myself and others understand the data better, be able to see the data and visualize it. And now I train data professionals to become confident data visualizers, storytellers, and public speakers. So it's a big part of what I do and why I started my company, Trending Analytics, is to help other data practitioners who, like myself, may not be focusing on these parts of their data journey, you know, when it comes to mm -hmm. visualizing, presenting data, so that they can become better presenters and visualizers that will help them capture their audience's attention and motivate them to act. And I do this mainly through my courses, but I also have a podcast, like you mentioned, called The Art of Communicating Data, where I do teach these things to my listeners. So it's become a big passion of mine. Yeah. And uh, just check out the show notes. We have also links links in there. So um, in terms of this light bulb moment, 
you just mentioned. Do you have a specific story there? Um, I, the, this, actually, the first, I would say the first moment or the experience that made me want to take data visualizations a lot more seriously uh, was attending a workshop. Many listeners may have heard of it, that Edward Tufte, uh, he leads these mm. workshops. This is before the pandemic. So he was, uh, he was, I don't know if he's still doing this, but he was leading in-person workshops, these huge ones where there's hundreds and thousands of people attending. And he was coming into my town one winter and I asked my employer if I can have them pay for attending this workshop and also do it it was on a work day. So I was able to get approval to attend this workshop and it changed everything really. Edward Tufte is the reason how I got into the data visualization world. And I know it's true for many others. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's, it's that, that it's that workshop that triggered me to learn more about data visualizations, learn more about the principles. And as you mentioned, like how to make effective charts and um, not just be able to say something's pretty or ugly, but one that is actually effective for my audience members. So it, I have since then gotten a lot of different trainings. I've read a lot of different books on data visualizations. So I've evolved a lot more since that moment and that experience. But I'm really grateful that I got that exposure. Yeah. For me, the light bulb moment was when um, you know I spent a lot of my time in, in pharma. And um, one day I was with a sales rep um, going through Munich and visiting physicians. Um, and I realized all his material consisted only of figures. Yeah. Mm. No table whatsoever. Yeah. Wow. And I was thinking like, oh, my God. I rarely produce a figure. By the way, one of the figures mm. he used was actually from my desk, which I was really, really proud about. But wow. all the <laughs> others looked much better than you know, much my figure. My figure was a Kaplan Meyer plot, so it was probably hard to kind of reproduce. Mm. But it's, you know, all the others looked so posh and polished and clear and to the point. And I was thinking, like, wow, my at the time mostly kind of SARS-based figures were everything but but that and um yeah that was for me a light bulb moment and really inspiring a little bit later was um uh the work by hans rosling uh, who's the, the uh, right. health of wealth of nations uh which is an outstanding data visualization that shows how um countries have evolved in terms of their average income and their life expectancy over the last century and how, how you know things like the uh, wars or the HIV pandemic and, and other things have kind of affected things but right. generally how around the world things have actually really progressed of course at different speed um, but um, also shows the kind of variability in the data and the richness in the data. And that was for me very, very inspiring. I think that's a really great inspiring moment because Hans Rosling's, um, I think it's called the greatest stats in the world or something, the greatest stats. I forgot the name of the video, mm. but in addition to producing this really, really interesting data visualization, he also presented it in such an interesting way mm -hmm. like a sports narrator 
Yeah. And so it just, you know, it shows like how, you know, your presentation of the data visualization and the data visualiz visualization itself can go hand in hand and helping capture the attention of mainstream folks. So people who are not even in the world of data, they were enamored by this video and it's still a very popular video that's been recreated many times. And it's, it also introduced uh, the layperson to this more complicated chart that you usually don't see. And so mm -hmm. I noticed after that moment, I think you noticed as well, more people started to create charts like that. So it was, it's a definitely a great learning moment. Yeah. Yeah. And especially over the last years with the pandemic, right. the um, spread of much more complex charts mm -hmm. with, um, you know, general public and, and, the BBC and New York Times and, uh, you know, the, the dashboard from the John Hopkins University, mm -hmm. things like that. Lots of, lots of people looked at it. Yeah. Not, not just scientists and, um, data people. So, um, yeah, completely agree. Um, there's much more possibility nowadays beyond the, let's say the typical bar chart. Also great bar chart is still something yes. cool. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> So speaking about great, what is actually a great data visualization for you? Yeah, in, in my opinion, a great data visualization is one that captures and engages the intention, the attention of the target audience it is for and effectively communicates the message that you intend to pass along to this target mm -hmm. audience in order to get them to act upon that message. So what that means is that a great data visualization, in my opinion, isn't one that is necessarily the most beautiful looking, although, you know, it can be. It's worth noting this because we see a lot of really awesome looking data visualizations, as you've mentioned some examples already. And these ones can be hard to make out of the box for the average data practitioner. And seeing those can, I've noticed, can sometimes be discouraging you yeah. may think you can't make a great data viz, but I'm here to say that if you can create a data viz that engages with your target audience and effectively communicates the main message you want them to, to take or the action that you want them to take from it, then you've done a fantastic job with your data viz. Yeah. And that can be accomplished even with the simplest charts, like we've mentioned, like bar charts and line charts. It doesn't have to be necessarily a very complex one. Mm -hmm. That's... I love this um, definition because it takes into account the audience mm -hmm. and the goal that you want to achieve. And this is, you know, I give a lot of data trainings. Um, and um, so if you participate now in one of mine, then you'll now know that there's always a trick question at the start <laughs> <laughs> where I give people a data set and ask them to, to visualize them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and nearly, and then I say, you can ask me anything about it if, or what you need. Mm -hmm. And really rarely, maybe in, 91 out of 20 cases, someone will say, what's the goal and who's your audience? Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Most, in most cases, you know, data people will go into it and say, I'll want to kind of find a message here and kind of right. make something. Yeah. But rarely people will think about who's your audience? What's the goal? 
And I think the third for me is when you talk about this effectiveness is mm -hmm. what is the channel? Yeah. Do you see it on a live presentation? Do you see it virtually? Do you see it? Is it something printed as a poster or part of a paper? Do you watch it on your desktop or on your phone? All these kind of things have um, mm -hmm. are really important. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm glad you bring up this point because I think many data practitioners, well, naturally as data practitioners, we're often very curious. And when we get a data set, we can get really excited. We uh, can, you know, find, we can have so many different questions about the data and find so many interesting things in the data and present about it. And that's where it can become dangerous because you haven't really thought about who are you presenting to, what are their concerns and motivations. And it gives you this false sense of productivity. Like I've been able to create this, you know, analysis or um, I've been able to do this analysis and create these very beautiful looking data visualizations. And then they wonder why is it not being used? Why is their dashboard collecting dust? Um, why are their target audience members not as excited? And that's because they really haven't thought about their audience and the, the way that they're going to be presenting this work and all that stuff. So it's a very good point you've made. Yeah. So uh, speaking about this, creating this data visualization, what's your what's your workflow? Uh, how does that look like? Yeah, I'm really glad that you asked this, Alex, because I think what often data practitioners do is that the first thing they do is open up their data viz software of choice and stare at the screen until inspiration <laughs> hits. Or perhaps, as we've mentioned, they tinker around and make a few charts before deciding which one to use. And as I mentioned, this can sometimes lead to this false sense of productivity, but this workflow isn't really ideal if you want to create effective charts. And I'll explain why. The first thing that I do actually when I'm creating a data viz is identify who my target audience is. Mm -hmm. There could be many people who look at this data viz, including my boss and my peers, but they may not necessarily be my target audience. So really that distinction is important to figure out, like who is going to be the primary viewer or viewers of the data viz. So that's the first thing I do because it will determine what I create. Mm -hmm. Second, I get to know more about my target audience. What are their business concerns, motivations? What do they care about? And answers to these questions will impact what information I include in my data visualizations and the importance I place on the charts that address these questions. And sometimes I even title my charts with these questions. So it's very, very easy and clear for my target audience mm -hmm. to see, okay, this is the question I have, and this is the chart that answers it. So I do that often. And, you know, getting to know them can include setting up a meeting with them to gather requirements um, from my target audience and figuring out what is it that they really need versus want, because often they will say they want this or that, but you'll need to sometimes ask questions very carefully to really figure out what it is, what it is that they actually need. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then the third thing I do is I create a sketch, usually using pen and paper. And I found that this is less restrictive than using a data viz tool because it allows me to focus on my ideas rather than figuring out how to make something on a data viz software, which can slow me down. And then I when I do that, you say yeah. that I love <laughs> that you say that it's, it's, it's one of the things that I always recommend to people use pen and I'm paper so <laughs> because you can do things much faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also don't get into the traps that you use any 
any templates right without thinking about it um you mentioned like you're not restricted by kind of what your knowledge of the software mm-hmm. um and also you don't invest so much time yeah yeah you can do lots of lots of examples and just kind of you know if you scribble something on a paper you're easily kind of discarded whereas if you invested two hours in your database tool you might you know be prone to this sunken cost bias mm-hmm. and just kind of want to stick to it just because you invested already two hours instead <laughs> of five minutes into it yeah that's actually a really good point i haven't i didn't really think about that but it's so true that you know you're you're less attached to a sketch you see a sketch as a very rough thing and you're not committed to it versus yeah if something you put in a lot of effort to and it looks very finished almost very finished on a database software you're less likely to think out of the box or think think about different ideas so that's a really good point yeah and i i think the other benefit also with having a sketch is that i found that i will then use a sketch um the final sketch that you know i've agreed upon with my stakeholders as a reference throughout my database creation process um and it helps orient and guide me i don't know if it's true for other people but like if you have this idea in your head and then you start using the database software it's really hard to remember what is it the initial idea that you had what is it what's the mm-hmm. reference point and it, it's easy to get carried away or go in a totally different direction that you didn't intend to when you're using a database software um, when you don't have this reference so i found it too yeah sketches are really useful and it's everyone has a pen and paper right it's a very <laughs> uh, accessible tool these are accessible tools so i definitely recommend using that i'm glad that you also recommend that and then um, after I do a sketch, I usually create a more polished mock-up or wireframe from what I've sketched to present to my target audience for early feedback. And then once I get the feedback from my target audience, I will finally open up my data viz software and start creating the data visualizations. And I'll do like another round or two of feedbacks from my target audience members. So yeah, essentially you'll notice that there's a lot of work that goes into creating data visualizations before you even open up your data viz software. And I found that these steps are really important to setting up the right foundations for your work and ensuring that your work actually gets used by your target audience members. Yeah. And I love that you co-created with your audience. Yeah. Yeah. I once had Alberto Cairo uh, a discussion with him, and even he mentioned, yeah, as an absolute data viz guru, you know, sometimes he presents something to an audience and then completely scratch, mm. needs to scratch it, right. yeah. Although he think like, oh, it's everything perfect, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, probably already looked pretty good. Because, <laughs> uh, there's always kind of things that you haven't thought about. Yeah, like maybe mm-hmm. there's a certain color that is creates a completely different connotation for your right. audience. Yeah, I had, um, oh, you know, you, you think of, oh, this is red, yellow, green, and that stands for kind of, you know, uh, this, this kind of traffic light system. Right. And then maybe, you know, the, the audience is maybe, you know, certain physicians that think about, no, green is actually bad for us and red mm-hmm. is good because that looks unhealthy or you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the connotation is completely different. Um, and you don't don't know about these. You know, you generally kind of things improve when they go down and you have, have it the opposite 
way yeah and then people think about it no that's wrong <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. i think that i i want this for all data practitioners is i don't want them to feel like their work gets discarded or does not get used and the way that you can ensure that is if you do have a collaborative experience with your stakeholders or your end users your target audience because they then you'll produce work that they're more likely to use and accept so, and it also makes, I think it helps with the relationship that you have with mm -hmm. your stakeholders too, when they feel like they have a voice and that they're being heard. And sure, it's uh, more work and stress to manage communication and relationships with them. But I think it, uh, this collaborative experience, as you pointed out, there's many benefits to doing that. Yeah. I actually think it's also good to set expectations at the beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of say, yeah. we'll need to have a couple of different calls. Yeah, right. to go through kind of iterative steps because it's not a kind of, it's not like a table. Yeah. That is, right. And even with a table, you mm -hmm. have, sometimes have iterations. Yeah. But, but there's so many more design choices with, with a figure. Right. It's impossible to kind of you know, narrow it down with, without co creation. Right. Okay. Right. So you have, uh, you went into the, tool and then you kind of iterate there with the tool as well and then you have the final data visualization yeah you know after a few rounds of feedback from the stakeholders there is a final deliverable and of the data visualization and even after i deliver that data visualization so we, well i should first mention that when you, when i deliver that data visualization usually i set up a meeting where i walk through how to use that how to use that dashboard or how to navigate you know the data visualizations that you created for them it's really helpful to um, to do that again, because you want to make sure it gets used and used in the way that you intended it to. And usually I'll, if it's a virtual meeting, I'll record that because it's helpful reference for them or for other primary oh, cool. users that weren't in yeah. the meeting. Yeah, that they can constantly reference, especially if it's a tool that they're not familiar with using as well. Um, they may not know, you know, if I use Tableau a lot, they may not know how to do, like, I don't know how to find, how to use the filters or know that they can click these buttons. So Sometimes I do that walkthrough, assuming that they may not know necessarily how to use that. And then after I deliver my data visualization, I really recommend folks to have follow-up meetings with your target audience members. I know that's not always possible, especially if you're working with an external client and maybe you're not they're not a client anymore. But I recommend this for several reasons. Um, and it could be as the cadence can be as frequently as you think appropriate. Sometimes it's monthly, quarterly, maybe once a year. But basically, it's to check how are they to see if it, now that they've started to use the mm -hmm. data visualization that you deliver to them, if they have any questions or concerns, if they want any further changes. And also, I think it's important to understand that the needs and motivations of your target audience members could change with time. And mm -hmm. when that happens, usually it means they just stop using your data visualizations, and they may not tell you that they've stopped using it. They'll just think about maybe creating a new one or maybe not get a new one to replace it at all. But if you continue that communication, then you're able to realize, well, okay, if those needs have changed, I can make these tweaks, make these updates that, you know, it's still useful for you, you know, as time goes on. So, yeah. 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 I've see, I completely see that point, especially for things that are used more for uh on, on an ongoing basis 
Yeah, like right. where's the where's there's new data coming in again and again. Maybe there's new features that mm -hmm. you know in the original data wasn't there and that you want to highlight. Um, maybe certain kind of things change because mm -hmm. now there's so many different groups that it doesn't work anymore very well, right. or there's you know so many time points that it doesn't work very well, or the data so you know rich already <laughs> that you need to kind of have uh, additional things and i love that you um record this training yeah so that people um can refer refer to it again and again and again that's that's pretty cool awesome um speaking about tools what 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 are the tools that you mostly use and recommend yeah, usually when I get asked this question by data practitioners, they are looking for recommendations on database softwares. And for that, I really say like any software can be used to create effective data visualizations. So whichever you have easier access to, whether personally or through work, you can make it work as long as you have a solid understanding of database principles and visual analytics, as we've mentioned um, on this call already. And then other tools I recommend using is um, there's one app called Sim daltonism i use this a lot to check if my color palette that i'm using is colorblind friendly uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a free tool i have it on my computer and it's really easy to use and then i also use pinterest and tableau's viz of the day to get inspiration for data visualizations when i need help with ideas there can be really interesting stuff that you see on there so i do recommend especially tableau's viz of the day and then a great reference book if you are using dashboards is a big book of dashboards. So I know oh, yeah. you asked for tools, but I would consider this to be a really, really great reference. It's my go-to reference for creating dashboards. And Me then, too. yeah. <laughs> and if you're interested in, if the listeners are interested in more book recommendations I have, I do have a free spreadsheet on my website where I've collected data books, um, even data viz books I recommend on my website. Um, you, you can find using trendinganalytics.com. That's trending-analytics.com forward slash list. And uh, yeah, I have books on there, including Albert Cairo's books. Um, they're all really fantastic books. His his work is great. And he's also inspired a lot of my data viz work. And then finally, I think I've mentioned this already, my favorite tools, pen and paper for sketching my ideas. Yeah, yeah. Do you use colored pens or do you use just gray ones? I, I do have color pens, but I don't like, I use the same color for the sketch. Like I'll pick up whatever pen and just start sketching. So you, this is a good question because actually, uh, even for when I'm sketching and even uh, when I create a mock-up or a wireframe for my primary audience members to view, I usually keep those in black and white because I want to get feedback on things other than colors. And usually the first thing people like to give feedback on is colors. <laughs> so ah, okay. yeah, so I keep it black and white at the beginning. And then I tell them, you know, don't worry, I'll add colors, colors later. But right now I want to get feedback on the content where things are, you know, these are placeholders for now, black and white. So um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah there's, um, there's always kind of color as a topic in terms of brand color or not brand mm -hmm. color and then these kind of things yeah awesome that was a great um discussion about data visualization in terms of inspiration yeah that we helped us to see kind of why data visualization is, is important and and you know, we closed in terms of inspiration in terms of 
um, seeing new examples, giving new features, seeing kind of different ways of doing it. And uh, that speaks to the richness of it. And um, it also highlights that you really need to have this iterative co-creation workflow so that you can work effectively with you know minimal ways in a rather fast way to to a final result is there any final things that you would like to have take the uh, takes the listener home i would say create really enjoy this process of creating data visualizations it's not only helpful i mean we talked a lot about you know, creating these for primary audience members. But I think it also helps you in your process when you're exploring the data, creating visuals. And, you know, we live in this time where there there was a time before when people would hand draw data visualizations. Yeah. Like that was their tool. And it can be a very lengthy process, you know, adding the colors and everything using scales. But now we have these tools where you can easily make something, discard it. So, I, it, it makes it easier to create many versions of data visualizations. So I definitely encourage you to explore that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the most powerful, oh, one of the most powerful tools in, in, in this statistics and data science field, definitely. for sure. Thanks so much and all the best for your further uh, company. And um, yeah, check out Hannah's podcast for sure. Uh, all the references course asset rnc blog thanks so much yeah thank you so much for having me